from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, as well as on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. That's our internet streaming network as far as our radio side for the TV side of it. You're watching on Facebook Live, Facebook.com backslash LiveNowGT. Proud to get out to you not only in central and upstate New York and up and down the East Coast, but all throughout the land of the American Athletic the Midwest, the West Coast, and of course those of you outside of the country that have listened, watched, and connected with the show and and read the stories as well on wakeupcalldt.com. We appreciate all of the supporters and we appreciate your positivity that you've sent to us. Hope the best for you today. We're inside of the Charney's Menswear and Tuxedo Studios, 3150 Erie Boulevard East in Syracuse, New York, and you just heard from Luke Fickle, as well as Mike Norvell here on the broadcast, the two coaches that will be representing the two teams in the American Athletic Championship game this year. Luke Fickle of Cincinnati, Mike Norvell of Memphis, and representing the conference at the top is their commissioner, Mike Oresco, and he is back here with us this morning ahead of that game. And so we bring him on to the broadcast to get his thoughts on that and so much more. Mike, how are we doing today? Morning, Dan. Thanks for having me. And, uh, I'm glad you're able to get the coaches uh, on. They're, they're two terrific uh, young coaches with uh, bright futures, and we obviously hope they stay in our league. Yeah, and, and, and you look at that, and, and when you see that, Mike, I, there was a point that I had brought up uh, just a few minutes ago, and I brought it up on the show before, is you know the if there's a lack of respect from some for this conference, there's not a lack of respect for the coaches. And I would venture to say, and, and, and this is something I brought up, and maybe you can add some light to this, if the coaches in the conference are wanted year after year by the quote-unquote Power Five, then isn't that a statement to the talent of the conference? Because if these coaches were beating untalented teams and these coaches were beating a weak conference, then there wouldn't be a desire to bring them in. So is respecting the coaches also respecting the conference as well? Oh, I think there's a correlation, absolutely. Um, you know, We've been competitive with the P5 for years now. Frankly, from the very beginning, when uh, UCF uh, beat uh, Baylor, you know, really decisively in the uh, Fiesta Bowl, Baylor was what fifth in the country. They were scoring 40, 50 points a game on you know everyone. Uh, we established ourselves pretty quickly. Also, uh, UCF beat Louisville that year. Louisville was on the way to the ACC the following year. Uh, you know, we've had uh, a lot of big wins, so I think it, it does reflect that. I think if these, if we played at a lower level, which we don't. I don't know that the coaches would garner that kind of respect, but we're right there with the P5, and everybody knows that. We're the sixth. And uh, so they're, they're, they tend to be, when they're successful in our league, they tend to be very, very attractive uh, you know, to other, other schools. And to, to take a look at both of these gentlemen, what have been your thoughts on uh, Luke Fickle? This is his third season at Cincinnati. He has 21 wins over the last two seasons, and obviously counting because of sec- that third season where he has you know, a bunch of these wins is still going on. So 21 wins over the last two years and counting. Mike Norvell's never had less than eight wins. He's got the first 11-win season in the history 
of Memphis. So overall take on what both of these coaches have meant, maybe your thoughts on each of them. First of all, they're, they're both, as I said earlier, terrific uh, young coaches, uh, and they've established themselves, you know, very, very quickly. Uh, the difference, I guess, is uh, Luke had to, to basically reinvent and resurrect uh, a program, you know, at Cincinnati that had really gone downhill. Uh, had been very strong when the league was formed, you know, back in, in 13, uh, reinvented, I should say. Uh, but then had had faded a bit. Uh, had some good years, you know. Was a very strong team in 2016. But you know, Luke Luke came in and and you know because he's a Cincinnati, excuse me, uh, uh, an Ohio guy, and because he had uh, played and coached at Ohio State and he knew Cincinnati in that area extremely well, he was able to uh, you know obviously adopt a strategy and and keep you know great you know talent at home and has rebuilt that program extremely quickly. You know, you have Michael Warren, who was a player of the year in Ohio. You have people, you know, like that, student athletes like that on his roster. And he's uh, he's proven that, obviously, he builds strong defenses, and he has uh, an innovative offense, uh, you know, with a dual-threat quarterback in Desmond Ritter, and obviously a very young redshirt freshman quarterback who's outstanding, played really well in that Memphis game uh, last week. And so he... Uh, you know, he's when you have a good defense, and not as many schools in modern college football have contemporary college football have really great defenses. Uh, you you can you can dominate and win some games, which he did last year, and he won a P five game in the bowl game against Virginia Tech. He obviously beat UCLA two years in a row out there and here uh, in, in Cincinnati, and he's also uh, you know had you know just an outstanding overall success. So you know, kudos to him and. Uh, you know, he's doing it the right way. I think he's also unique in a way, sort of like Dana Holgerson, who's very much at home at Houston. I think, you know, Luke is very much at home in, in Ohio and at Cincinnati, and, and I hope that's one way we can keep him. You know, because as you know, when these coaches are successful, the, the P5 guys especially throw a lot of money at them, and it's it's a hard thing to turn down. So we're hopeful that we can keep him. As far as Mike Norvell, uh he did something that's hard to do also. He, uh, he kept a program that had been successful on track and has led it to even greater success. And that's not an easy thing to do. You know, Justin Puente built the program. You know, they were in dire straits before Justin got there. He did a great job. Had a terrific team in 2014 that I thought should have been on playing on New Year's Day. Uh, I thought they were the best team with the best resume. And that speaks to what I hope happens this year with Cincinnati should they win the game against Memphis. Uh, it didn't happen in 14. I hope it happens this year. Uh, you know, in any event, and I'm alluding to obviously a team with maybe one more loss than someone else, but has a far better resume. And, uh, that didn't happen in 14. But anyway, it, uh, Justin built a, a terrific program in 15. You know, they had the, the seminal victory over Ole Miss. That was one of the really big upsets. It, it really put our conference on the map. And, um, you know, we got a lot of publicity out of it. Uh, that's the Ole Miss team that was just loaded with talent and had, had beaten Alabama, you know, a few a few weeks before. So it was a big win. And in uh, in taking over after the 15 season, you know, Mike Norvell didn't didn't miss a beat, and uh, they they played extremely well. Uh, you know, they obviously Riley Patterson was developed as an outstanding quarterback by Mike. Mike has a terrific offensive pedigree, but he's building a good defense there. He's got tremendous defensive players. And if you look at the all AAC 
uh, teams, you know, the first and second teams, you see a number of Memphis defenders on there, uh, you know, and, and I was out, we don't know about TJ Carter's status for the game, but he's one of the outstanding young, you know, secondary people at, uh, at Memphis. So Mike Norvell has been successful building both sides of the ball and has had outstanding special teams. And that's been a, tr- a trademark of, uh, Memphis now for a while, but Mike really with Tony Pollard and Antonio Gibson now and others, um, Chris Claybrooks, I think I hope that's his first name. You know, he's, he did a tremendous job, obviously, last week. They, they've got all facets of the game down. And, uh, you know, Mike uh, continues to be one of the innovative young minds in, in college football. They have just a dynamic offense. The other thing he's done has brought in, Dan, just tremendous players. You know, he, he's had – look at the two running backs, you know, Patrick Taylor and uh, – Kenneth Gainwell, and Gainwell's a redshirt freshman, yeah. but last year you had, you know, obviously Daryl Henderson, and, and you had Tony Pollard, and you had players like that. You had Anthony Miller a few years ago. He was obviously a Justin Puente player, but, you know, obviously uh, really, really blossomed under under Mike. And remember, Memphis has been on the cusp the last several years. Uh, they, they played an incredible championship game in 2017 with UCF, at UCF, which they could have won, but for an ill-time penalty, they probably would have had a chip shot field goal to win it, and and, and they ended up uh, having to go to double overtime and, and almost won it. Uh, and then you look at last year, and they had a, a big halftime lead and didn't quite, you know, you know, manage it in the second half. They had trouble in the second halves last year with their defense, but that's been solved this year. So again, uh, Mike Norvell. Uh, is obviously one of the brightest uh, and best young coaches, as is Luke Fickle. And, and again, as I said earlier, I hope we can keep them both. Uh, they'll be in great demand. There's no question they always are when, when they're this successful. Uh, and it should be a great championship game on Saturday with these two coaches, uh, two terrific minds that will have innovative game plans, and uh, we'll see what happens. That coming from Mike Oresco this morning. Here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, the commissioner of the American Athletic Conference. And Mike, for, for you, I mean, you got to be happy with this conference and, and what's been happening this season. Cincinnati is 10-2. and uh, Their only losses are to Memphis, who's 11-1, and and to Ohio State, who's beaten everybody. Uh, we look at UCF. And, you know, people might call it a down year, but a down year for them is 9-3. and We look at uh, Temple at 8-4 and with yet another head coach. Every two to three years, they get a new head coach. They still go to bowl games. Navy's 9-2, and and they still have the Army-Navy game coming up on December 14th. And SMU is 10-2, and and Sonny Dykes has only been there for, you know, for what feels like five seconds. And after Chad Morris had made them a bowl team, the question was, could SMU get their again after it took so long to get there and, and Chad Morris finally did Sonny Dykes has him even better Willie Fritz is going to a bowl game at six and six so we're looking at four teams from the west we're looking at three teams from the east that's seven of your 11 teams that are going to remain with UConn, UConn leaving so seven in only four are not how does that make you feel as the commissioner knowing that seven of your 11 conference teams are going to bowl games this year and that a bunch of these, we're looking at three of them that have at least 10 wins, and Navy could be the fourth team to have 10 wins this season as well. Well, you know, I'm obviously pleased with the depth of the conference, uh, Dan. It's the deepest it's ever been. But, you know, sometimes you have to look beyond the numbers a little bit, too. And uh, I think the more uh, sophisticated our analysis, the, the more this conference stands out. For instance, we, as I said, had probably – 10 teams, and I include ECU because you know how tough they were at the end, 
playing, um, you know, uh, SMU very tough on the road, almost upsetting Cincinnati, uh, you know, and USF, which beat BYU and almost should have beaten Georgia Tech on the road and, you know, had an up and down season. But if you look at those teams, again, as other than UConn, which really struggled, everybody could beat everyone else. And when you look at teams like Tulsa and ECU and USF and Houston that did not qualify for bowl games, Tulsa had, Dan, I don't know if you're aware of this, I don't know if our fans and viewers are aware of it, they had the sixth toughest schedule in the country by the sport source analytics measurement. And that's the one that the CFP has a contract with and they use them. Their strength of schedule was number six, low numbers better, six in the country. ECU's was 92. And by comparison, Boise's was 95, Appalachian State 106. And I'll get into some others in a minute. Uh, Houston, 17. 17th ranked schedule in the country. Do you think if they played in the Mountain West, they might have been a bowl team? Yeah. I happen to think they would have been. Yeah. Uh, USF, 38th strength of schedule in the country. As you know, they played Wisconsin, played Georgia Tech on the road, played in our brutal conference. UConn, which struggled all year, had a 79 strength of schedule. That was a tougher than Poises. You know, they played uh, Illinois, which obviously came on in the Big Ten. They played at Indiana. They had to play all our teams, and you know how tough that is. You know, SMU, had to play Navy on senior day. That is one of the toughest things to do. Navy has not lost a senior day football game in 17 years, Dan, and that, that tells you something. So when you have an 11-1 Memphis, a 10-2 Cincinnati, 10-2 SMU, a 9-2 Navy with the Army game, as you mentioned, still to come, a 9-3 US, UCF, which lost, uh, again, three games by a grand total of seven points and all on the road, and an 8-4 Temple, in addition to these other teams with that really good strength of schedule, you see how good our conference is. And my, my key point, and I've been making it for several weeks now, as you know, is this is a no-brainer. If Cincinnati wins that championship game, they are the best team in the G5, and they deserve to be in the, in the Cotton Bowl. There, there, there shouldn't even be any debate about it. Our conference is so much stronger. It is so much deeper. Uh, here are the strength of schedules for some of the opponents in the Mountain West. Colorado State, 104. Again, the low number is better. Hawaii, 94. San Diego State, 123. Wyoming, 107. San Jose State, 105. UNLV 109. <clears throat> Cincinnati will be playing a Memphis team with 50, a 50 strength of schedule 57 and had to play them twice in a row. True road game. Boise will be playing Hawaii at home. A 94 strength of schedule. They've already played them once and beaten them. Uh, and Hawaii, as you know, a nice team, but they never play as well on the mainland against really good teams. It just not, doesn't happen that way. It's been historically true. So I don't see any way, in my view, that that Cincinnati should not be in the Cotton Bowl if they win. If Memphis wins, I think it's a virtual lock based on the rankings right now. Now, in the computer polls, the six composite computer, computer polls, Dan, ACC is at 58. Again, low number is better. ACC is at 58. The AAC, the American, our conference, 58.4, basically a virtual tie. And remember, we don't have a Clemson, and we've had UConn really struggling you know, in our league. Right. Um, and, and then you have... This is the six composite computer polls. This is Sagarin, which everybody probably knows from USA Today. Uh, it's Anderson Hester. It's Collie. These are, these are the computer polls that were used in the BCS. These are very respected polls. And the Big Ten is at 47.7, the SEC 47, the Pac-12 49.5. You can see we're not that far away from them. Mountain West Conference, 73.1. Sunbelt, 
81. These are facts, Dan. And, and, you know, it's, it's really hard to argue with facts. Now, we had the eye-popping record against the non-P5, 27 and 1 against non-Power 5 conferences. And that includes Army and, and BYU and UMass and others. In addition, we're 14 and 1 against the G5, which we hate, we hate to be part of that, but we are. Uh, it's 3-0 versus the Mountain West, 4-0 versus the Sun Belt. A point, couple of points of comparison, Dan, that I think are very interesting. Cincinnati Marshall, and I've been trying to make this point. How do you argue? Marshall goes up to the Blues turf and loses 14-7, right? And, and there was a controversial fumble at the end of that game that might have given Marshall one last chance. Uh, Cincinnati goes to Marshall. Okay, a road game, and wins fifty-five to fourteen. It was forty-five nothing at one time before uh, forty-five before they called things off. Yeah. San Jose State, Tulsa, four-eight team in our conference, which would have been a bowl team in, in some of those other G five conferences. Almost beat, as you know, SMU, and almost beat Memphis. Should have beaten them. Had, had some troubles in the kicking game. They go out to San Jose State and they win 34-16. San Jose State is leading Boise well into the fourth quarter, as you know. San Jose State beats Wyoming, excuse me, uh, uh, Tulsa beats Wyoming. Wyoming takes Boise to overtime and loses by a field goal. Uh, Air Force, Boise has a good win over Air Force. Well, Navy beat Air Force. And uh, USF uh, beat BYU which obviously beat Boise and also BYU beat Utah State 42-14. BYU was 7-5, and five, had a lot of weak wins like Liberty and, and nothing against BYU, but th- their resume wasn't stellar, so it's not a good loss for Boise. Uh, you've got wins over uh, Utah State 42-14, which struggled toward the end in the Mountain West, uh, which was not as strong a conference as ours, obviously. In addition, you had uh, BYU beating Liberty, edging them actually, you had them beating UMass. You had them beating Idaho State. Uh, you know, they lost to Toledo. They, they were clobbered by Washington. They, they lost to some other teams. Uh, they were two and four when they beat Boise. So I don't know how that is, would be considered a good loss. And then here's our USF for any USF beats uh, BYU. FAU won Conference USA's East Division and they're a really good team. They're playing in the championship game. UCF beat them 48 to 14 at their place. FIU just beat Miami, you know, an upset. Tulane beat FIU 42-14. to Tulane played Auburn, as you know, extremely tough at Auburn. The other thing I would add, Dan, before I finish this part of it, because I, I don't want people to just have a perfunctory view of records and things of that nature. That's yeah. not accurate. You know, you gotta, you got to go into this deeper, and I hope the committee does. You know, we really do. We had a brutal non-conference schedule, you know, at Ohio State. And by the way, you know, I saw the commissioner of the Mountain West taking shots at, at um, Ohio, uh, excuse me, at Cincinnati for losing, uh, you know, 42 nothing. Well, guess that was a lot closer game in a sense. Not close game. No one's arguing that. But they were, they were in a position to score some touchdowns. They also tried a field goal when Luke Fickle admitted at the beginning of the game when it was 7 nothing. He probably should have gone for it. It was fourth and one, something like that, deep in, in Ohio State territory. And Ohio State has been destroying everyone. Ohio State scored, I think, as I recall, 56 points at Michigan. They only scored 42 at home against, uh, you know, Cincinnati. So let, let's put that into perspective a bit. We played at Oklahoma State, and Houston gave Oklahoma State a better game than most of the teams in the, in the Big 12 did. Uh, we had, uh, t- excuse me, um, Tulane play competitively at Auburn. 
Uh, Navy not, obviously did not play competitively at Notre Dame, but they did play them up there, and things just went wrong. You know, they had a good opening drive. Things things didn't go right, and then the day just fell apart. It happens, but they've often played Notre Dame tough. We played at Michigan State. We played Wisconsin. We played Oklahoma State. We played Indiana. I think that was at Indiana. Played Illinois. Played Washington State. Almost there. You know, Houston could have beaten Washington State. Played Ole Miss at Pitt at, you know, uh, FAU uh, at TCU, Stanford, UCLA. These are this is a brutal non-conference schedule. We've done everything the committee asked, and I hope Cincinnati would not be penalized for playing an away game at Ohio State, which none of these other G5 teams who have been successful have done. Now, the other the other thing I want to mention, and this is where again the nuance comes in. You've seen a couple of writers recently say, "Well, you know, uh, we've got a." Um, you know, uh, Boise has a, a better win at Florida State than than uh, Cincinnati or uh, Memphis have with uh, UCLA and Ole Miss, respectively. I say that's nonsense, and it, it means you really haven't looked at the at the situation uh, accurately. Because first of all, Florida State was six and six. They played in a much much weaker conference than the Pac-12. And, of course, obviously the SEC. And the SEC West is, is obviously the toughest division in all of college football. It's not even close. Yeah. And they they were clobbered in the in the two tough games they had, Clemson and Ole Miss. They were actually beaten handily by, uh, you know, a mediocre Miami team. The only reason they're even 6-6 six and six is they played Alabama State. You know, it, this is not a strong resume. They blew a 31-13 lead over Boise. They, they beat Louisiana Monroe in overtime on a missed extra point. Okay, and this and that was at home. That's not a strong resume. You look at Ole Miss. Ole Miss lost by to Auburn by a touchdown. They played competitively against Louisiana State and scored more points, far more points than than they scored on uh, on Memphis. Ole Miss lost a, a heartbreaker to Cal on a very controversial play at the end of the game. You may recall. They also lost by a touchdown to to A and M. They they play in the toughest division in college football, and they also played a tough non-conference schedule. When you look at UCLA, you see a team that uh, beat Arizona State, that that clobbered Colorado, that beat Washington State at Washington State, that had to play USC, that had to play Utah, that you know had to play the whole Pac-12 schedule. They beat Stanford. They also had other games against Pac-12 teams. Their non-conference schedule was brutal. They played Cincinnati on the road and they lost. They played San Diego State and they lost. And they also played um, one other. Uh, Trying to remember that one, Dan. They played another uh, really oh, uh, Oklahoma. They played Oklahoma and they lost. So uh, UCLA has a better resume, in my view, at four and eight than Florida State, and so does um, Ole Miss. It's just a question of which conference you play in. And that's my point about our teams. Which conference are you playing in? As I said, I think Tulsa, I think Houston, uh, who knows, even maybe USF might have been bowl teams in other conferences. And Tulsa almost was a bowl team in our conference. As you know, they came very close to springing a couple of upsets and could easily have been you know, a 6-6 team. Yeah. Instead of four eight, and in, in a weaker league, they probably would have been an eight four team. So you, you got to look at this in context. You got to dig deeper. You got to do a sophisticated analysis. You can't just say, "Well, Florida State has, has a better win." The other thing is this business about, "Well, you know, Boise has five or six, you know, team, you know, bowl wins." Well, again, 
who are you who are you talking about here? The bowl wins. You know, I, I, what I mean by that is teams that play are going to go to bowls. Okay, they, they've beaten some teams that are going to go to bowls. But I showed you the strength of schedule of uh, Hawaii. Okay, I showed you a strength of schedule of Wyoming. I showed you a strength of schedule of some of these other teams, uh, you know, and I showed you, you know, the Florida State resume. So when you look at, at some of those teams, you say, okay, well, okay, Hawaii, which doesn't beat quality opponents typically on the mainland, has a 94 strength of schedule. Seven five Wyoming, which was beaten by our four eight Tulsa, their strength of schedule is 107. You have a seven five Utah State, which was beaten by BYU 42 14, has a strength of schedule of 107. Marshall, which Boise edged 14 seven in the blue turf, and I told you what Cincinnati did to them. And then six six Florida State. Well, okay, so why does that statistic alone really have much meaning? You know, especially when you look at our league and the competition in our league. Our West Division has been rated better than most of the, many of the divisions in college football this year. So, Dan, again, I've gone on a lot. I've, I've you've given me the time to to talk about this, but have I not made a persuasive case? I mean, can you argue with these facts? Is it really are they really the kind of facts that that frankly can be argued with? I mean, when we look at this and we look at this situation and here with the commissioner of the American Athletic Conference, Mike Oresco, you know, you're bringing up a lot, like you said, I mean, you're bringing up factual information, you're bringing up quality points. There's a lot of things that you're saying that, you know, pieces that I've gone back to and, you know, looked at what Cincinnati has done and, you know, they're willing to play these teams and Memphis has been willing to play these teams and UCF has been willing to play these teams and USF and Tulane and Tulsa. I mean, they're asking for these, and, and I wrote that story that I had sent over to you of even the, the future schedule of the American Athletic Conference teams, non-conference, every single team in the American Athletic of the 11 football schools that will remain from 2020 and beyond to take a look at who you're going to be playing. And, uh, and it was an article that I wrote that said, for those that think the AAC plays no one, we look at you know everything that you set up to this point, and then for future to go to your point, and then some. Cincinnati is going to play Indiana. They're going to play Arkansas. They're going to play Nebraska, NC State, Pitt, Boston College, Boise State. Uh, East Carolina is going to play South Carolina, Michigan, BYU, Wake Forest. Houston's going to play Washington State, Texas Tech, BYU, Utah. Uh, Memphis is going to play Mississippi, Missouri, Arkansas, Purdue. Navy is obviously going to play Notre Dame and Army. SMU is playing TCU and Vanderbilt. Uh, Temple is playing Miami, Boston College, Duke, Oklahoma, Penn State. Uh, Tulane is going to play Mississippi State, Oklahoma, Ole Miss, UAB, who I respect as well, Duke, Iowa State. Tulsa is playing Oklahoma, Arkansas, Oklahoma State, Ole Miss, Washington. UCF is going to be playing North Carolina, Georgia Tech, Boise State, Louisville, BYU. Uh, USF will be playing Texas, NC State, Florida, Alabama and Miami and so on and so forth. And so, I mean, these are the schedules to come and these are schedules for 2020 all the way down to, I believe uh, some of these schools I have to 2033. I I have uh, Navy to 2037. So, you know, you're playing the talent. You have played the talent. You will play the talent. You've beaten a lot of this talent. Uh, Like you said, the group of five, you don't like that moniker. I'm not a fan of it either. I I think it, it causes a huge divide, but you're winning over these teams you're in the strength of the conference is stating itself and like you said by by the matrix and the numbers that you're right there with the ACC and that if you put a UCF uh, you know if you put if we look this season at the ACC which is another conference that I cover very heavily 
if you look at you know teams like Florida State, Boston College, NC State, Syracuse, Georgia Tech, Duke, uh, North Carolina, Pittsburgh, team Miami, teams like that, if Virginia Tech. If you if you put that really outside of Clemson, if you put Cincinnati, UCF, Temple, Navy, Memphis, SMU. Tulane, even Tulsa, against some of these teams, you're going to get victories. So I like to mash up the conferences and say, could Tulsa beat this team? Could Houston beat this team? Could SMU beat this team? To really take a look at everything. And so, you know, I I think you've done your research. You're obviously protecting your conference and you're looking for factual information. You're not just stomping your foot and saying, look at our history or look at the boosters or look at how much money we bring in or look at how much how many alumni we have across the country. You're looking at factual evidence, stating factual evidence and asking the committee to look at factual evidence to state your case. And any case in any court anywhere in the world needs factual evidence. So you're backing it up. I've extended it with some of the things that I would think that I, I brought up this morning. So I'm very confused by the fact that the college football playoff selection committee will only at best move Cincinnati or Memphis up a spot, down a spot, and everybody else gets to kind of hang out where they are. Appalachian State continues to rise. Boise State has seen growth, but yet Cincinnati and Memphis really don't go anywhere and I'm confused by that, and I think it comes down to a level of respect for the conference, which I don't understand at this point, because your coaches are always poached by the Power Five. There was a time where your schools were potentially going to be poached or trying to be poached by the Power Five. Every single year, you put talent that goes to the NFL. You put talent that not only goes there but can be captains in the NFL that are helping their teams win games that have long-standing time in the NFL. And these coaches, every single year, not only are they poached, but you put in another coach who's poached again. So I, I don't know what the committee needs to see in order to place value on the American Athletic because you've done what you needed to do. You're not screaming. You're not saying gibberish. And you're not saying, well, I know this guy and I know that guy, so let's get in the old boys club. You're stating factual evidence, and I think that it needs to be respected. Well, you know, Dan, again, it's the, the, you, you alluded to the, the whole G5 thing and, and, and that it creates a divide, and that's really a big issue for us. Branding tends to be so important, as you know. Branding is, is uh, you know, you, you there's sports that the Olympics have, right, that nobody watches one second of the entire year, right? You put the Olympic brand on it and everybody every four years watches it, right? Because it's, it's, it's an Olympic sport. It's branding. Branding is so important, right? And, and in our case with this league, we, we, you know, we've done a lot. And, you know, I point to the 44 P5 wins and five against top 10 teams, multiple ones against top 25 teams. And we're the only G5 conference to even beat a top 10 team. We've had five of those wins. Uh, and we look at the strength of schedule. You look at these metrics. But alluding to what you said about the lack of respect and about the, uh, the divide, well, here's a perfect example. Perfect example, I think. Here's Baylor and here's Memphis, right? Now, Baylor's in the mix, according to the pundits and the writers, and maybe according to the CFP based on the rankings, for, again, a spot in the Final Four. Okay, this is Baylor. Now, is anybody going to argue this Baylor team's as good as UCF was two years ago, or UCF was last year with Mackenzie Milton? 
not a chance. Right. You know, it just, they just aren't as good. I mean, that was a, just a superb team with multiple, multiple players in the NFL from that team. And I could go down with it. Shaquem Griffin, Traquan Smith, Jordan Aikens, the linemen that they had, the, the linebackers. Uh, Mike Hughes was a first round pick in the secondary. They had other great secondary players. You had terrific offensive linemen and, and, you know, you had players everywhere on that team. Gabe Davis was on that team. He'll probably be a first round pick this year. So, you know, and yet this year you look at Memphis and Baylor and you look at their resumes. Memphis is sitting there, what, at 16, I guess, and uh, Baylor's up there, seven or eight, whatever it is. And Memphis played Ole Miss, and I, I think Ole Miss was a, a team that would have done far better. It could have been eight and four in a lot of conferences, as you know, and held them at the, at the, uh, at the intermission, it was 13 nothing, and they ended up winning 15-10, and the game could have been a lot uh, more. Uh, it could have been a bigger divide there. Uh, Memphis had some opportunities that didn't, didn't pan out. Uh, Memphis played on the road at Louisiana Monroe, the team that almost beat uh, <clears throat> you know, Florida State you know, at their place, except for the overtime missed extra point. Baylor, in the meantime, played Stephen F. Austin, 3-9, and nine, UTSA, 4-8, and eight, and Rice, 3-9. and nine. That was their non-conference schedule. Now, they also beat a 4-8 Texas Tech team, a 5-7 West Virginia team. They did beat TCU, and that's a good win, even though TCU's record wasn't great, because TCU is a very competitive team. Well, SMU beat them in regulation, took Baylor a 51-yard field goal at the end and three overtimes to win that game. They also beat a 3-9 Kansas team, beat a Texas team that was fading. Um, then you look at, uh, you know, their resume overall, and their strength of schedule is – worse than than memphis's okay their strength of schedule is 61 memphis is 57 and yet here that there's there's you know here's memphis sitting there at 16 with no chance according to everybody to for the playoff and baylor with obviously a, a real opportunity you know to get there and uh you say to yourself wait a minute you know you're it's branding a lot of it's branding if if our conference was considered a p6 I wouldn't be a bit surprised that, you know, we would we would have higher rankings. And that's one of the issues, you know, that that I point out. And uh, I'm hoping that the committee, you know, listens. I think we've made some progress here. You know, they, they did finally rank Navy. Absolutely, SMU should have been ranked. Now, they beat TCU on the road. They beat a lot of good teams in our conference. They play in one of the toughest divisions in college football, our West Division, 10-2. and two. Their only losses were on the road to Navy on senior day where Navy hasn't lost in 17 years. And that was a one touchdown heart, you know, heartbreaker for them. They also lost, uh, you know, a really close game to Memphis on the road without, by the way, Reggie Robertson, who if he had been played in both those games, you don't know what the outcome would have been. He was absolutely the, the receiver who stretched the field. Shane Bouchelle, one of the best quarterbacks in our league. Then you look at, uh, you look at UCF completely under the radar. You know, I would, I would, I would play Virginia anytime with UCF. I would play any of those teams that, that are ranked, those, those four lost teams with UCF. You saw what UCF did to Stanford. It's 38-7 at the half. You know, that's a 9-3 team that lost three games by a grand total of seven points, basically with a young quarterback who threw some, you know, 
ill-advised, ill-timed interceptions, and that's growing pains. And and yet, you know, those were all on the road as well. That's a 9-3 team that I think should have been ranked. I think we should have had literally, you know, five teams ranked. And the 8-4 Temple team is a very rugged team. It had two P5 wins. Uh, also was, uh, you know, just a good opponent no matter who, whom they played. They're they're just rugged, and they, uh, you know, they obviously beat Memphis, the only team to beat Memphis this year um, in, a, in a very close game. So, you, you look at that and you say, okay, I'm just trying to gain the respect that our conference deserves. I'm not trying to invent it. I'm not saying that, you know, these teams, like, let's say, let's say we had these strength of schedules, you know, that I read to you, yeah. 104, 95, 106, 94, 123, 107, 105, 109. Well, would I be touting us if I, if I had those strength of schedules? Of course not. Uh, and, and then you look at our strength of schedules and you look at six and 40 and 17, again, lower numbers better, 38, you know, 54, 56, 45, 57. And then even our, our worst ones are 90 and 92 and 79, which are better than all the others from that other conference that we're talking about. Well, uh, really, this is uh, the, the, the metric that the committee uses. I don't think there's any doubt in my mind, and, it, and I've made an overwhelming case that Cincinnati, if they win that game, should be in. It's that simple. And uh, I hope that, 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 that there is a sophisticated analysis. By virtue of Cincinnati being one slot behind Boise, I think they shouldn't be, but they are. Could they jump them beating Memphis? I don't see why not. They should, actually. It, you know, I don't know how much mileage Boise's going to get out of beating a Hawaii team they've already beaten pretty handily, a team that you know is 9-4 and four and not ranked. A team that typically plays so much better on the island, as you know, than they than they ever do on the mainland against good teams. I, I don't know that you get as much mileage anywhere near as much mileage out of that. If you if you win a true road game at Memphis, and you already had to play them twice, and you played them as, as about as close as you can get. You were talking about a, a game that was, as you know, uh, you know, twenty seven to twenty four with three minutes to go, and there was a, a, a an ill advised, ill timed penalty on on. Uh, Cincinnati that cost them a chance to have the final drive and maybe win the game or tie the game. And um, you're talking about, a, a you know, a really, really good team that has played a good schedule. And if you want to knock some of the 4-8 teams they played, take a look at the metrics I talked about. Those are teams that are far more competitive than teams with far better records in other conferences. So that's really uh, it for today, Dan, in terms of, of how I view the, the world and, and how I view this whole situation uh, in college sports. I, I think it's, uh, you know, again, you got to look deeper. That's my point. you got to look deeper. You can't just, you know, take some, some superficial numbers or some superficial records. you got to look at, at the uh, the overall. And, and it's not as though one metric points to this and others don't. You know, our strength of schedule with the six computer rankings is obvious. I told yeah. you the 58 were tied with the ACC. We, we went well ahead of them. Uh, they didn't have Clemson, and, and obviously UConn has really struggled in our conference. Uh, you know, those comparable scores, whether it was the F, FAU, the FIU, and Tulane, whether it was Marshall, whether it was Wyoming, excuse me, Tulsa beating Wyoming and San Jose State, oh, no, everything, the strength of schedule, the teams we've played, yeah. the records, the 27-1 record, the 14-1, everything points in that direction. And if you want to ignore it, fine, then you're being completely, utterly unfair to our conference in my view. And, you know, that, and like you said, I mean, it's if the statement is there, the statement, if the reality, the factual evidence is there, it's there. My my final piece to you today is if we were to expand this college football playoff, 
there is the respect and the notion that the American would have a spot. Now, I said if we wanted to just brass tax this thing and have eight spots instead of four, you take your best Pac-12, best best Big 12, best Big 10, ACC, SEC, American. You take the winners from each of those, and then you have two wild cards. You have two other teams that you can take in. So if that were to happen this year, then we're talking about seeing Ohio State, LSU, Clemson, Utah, we're looking at Oklahoma, Baylor, Memphis, you know, teams like that getting in and getting opportunities. Is that the only way to make this fair? Is that the only way to make this happen? Because the college football playoff, if if there is this quote-unquote power five, there's really not many spots. Because as I say every year, and outside of this year with Tua going down, and obviously that leading to, you know, Alabama, in my opinion, having two losses, with Tua going down, and not to take anything away from LSU, we're talking about that, that second loss, but with Tua going down, they're not going to put him in the college football playoff, even if they had one loss. So we look at it every single year, to me, the college football playoff is as such. Alabama, the only team in the nation that can lose two games and still get considered. The only team that cannot play in their championship game and still be considered. Another SEC team, an ACC winner, which is usually Clemson, and then there's an open spot. That open spot is for the Big 12, the Big 10, or the Pac-12 to take. I would imagine that the Pac-12 commissioner, the Big 12 commissioner, and the Big 10 commissioner are not happy with the fact that every single year they're fighting each other for one spot. And even if four of those conferences got in, one of the quote-unquote Power Five is not going to get in. So does it help you and assist you in a year like this where Ohio State, LSU, Clemson, Georgia, Utah, Oklahoma, Baylor, Wisconsin, there's all of this talent, plus there's Memphis, plus there's Cincinnati. When we look at all of this in the grand scope of things, does it not help you out that the Pac-12, the Big Ten, the Big 12 might be looking at the college football playoffs saying, hey, we don't want this to be an ACC-SEC championship game. We want this to be fair do they inadvertently help you out by going to the committee and saying, where's the love for Oregon? Where's the love for Utah? Where's the love for Baylor? What about Oklahoma? Do they continue to push this narrative and push this fight that ultimately helps you out in expanding to eight? Because if we do go to eight, I can't imagine a world where the American doesn't have an automatic bid for their champion. Well, believe me, they'll fight us hard on that. Uh, they won't They won't want to give us that. I can guarantee you that, but we will fight fight uh, tooth and nail right to the end uh, on that for, for a six slot. We probably were not thinking that way a few years ago. We might have been thinking, let's let's get a spot for the, the so-called G5, but I think we've established ourselves as a clear six, and I think we should have that spot, and I would fight really hard for it. And and frankly, if they want to give one to the, to the remaining G4 and, and then just have you know, uh, one, uh, you know, at large, that's fine. They won't want to do that. They'll want to have two at larges. I mean, this is, this is a P5 world, Dan, you know, we know that. And, and, yeah. uh, we'd have to fight hard, but we will. Uh, and, you know, we just have to keep winning. We have to keep doing well. Uh, I think we will. You're going to see Dana Holderson rebuild Houston incredibly quickly. He's loaded down with transfers who couldn't play this year and, and redshirt, you know, red shirts uh, he, he's just got a ton of talent there and they played you got to admire what they did they played extremely competitively all year they played hard all year they never tanked as everybody said they were going to do uh when they did the red shirts for Derek king and uh i guess it was at keith corbin so again you look at the none of our teams 
UCF is a young team with a star quarterback who's been under the radar this year. Terrific team. Same thing with uh, Tulsa, young team, young young Memphis team. Obviously, great players. Uh, SMU, you know, understands the transfer portal. You know, doing a great job uh, recruiting Sonny. He's a true Texas guy, just like Luke Fickle. He's in the right place. You've got, you know, Tulane, which the only reason Tulane's six and six is they played in our conference. That's a really good team, but they just couldn't beat some of our really good teams. And they played them competitively, but just couldn't quite, quite win. Uh, and so they ended up six and six instead of maybe nine and three. Uh, what would they have done in the Mountain West? I think you might have seen a quite, quite a bit better record. Uh, and, 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 you know, and I don't say that, you know, lightly. I think they're, they're just a really good team. Uh, and they proved it at Auburn, you know, how competitively they played. Um, so you look around and you look at Cincinnati and you look at Temple and you look at uh, UCF and then you look, they're going to make a coaching change at USF. There's a lot of talent there. There'll be a lot of talent there. Uh, we, we congratulate and Charlie for all he's done. Uh, yes, things may not have worked out the last few years, but he's a wonderful person and a wonderful coach and every player on that team loves him. So, you know, obviously, uh, we uh, respect uh, what he did for our conference coming in and had some, some terrific at that terrific first year. Uh, had a really good start last year and it didn't work out. But uh, you're going to see uh, East Carolina get get really good quickly under John Gilbert. They showed the progress this year. Where do you look for a weak team in this conference? UConn is not going to be in the conference. They're struggling. I think they will get better. I don't know whether how much progress they can make as an independent in that scenario, but they were making progress even in our league. They were starting to play a bit more competitively. But you look at our, our league top to bottom, and where's the easy win? Where's the weak team? And that that's the thing that hurts us in, in terms of even this business about the CFP, uh, you know, New Year's Six Bowls and trying to, you know, trying to you know, qualify for those. Fortunately, even with this tough conference, we have had elite teams similar to the SEC. You know, you got a brutal conference, but you have had elite teams, and and that's what you need. So uh, I, I'm I'm optimistic about the future. Uh, we will fight hard if that if that uh, expansion occurs. I agree there'll be pressure to expand it. It's a hard thing though because there's still a lot of opposition. Uh, we don't talk about it much at this point, uh, you know. But as as teams get left out, as teams inevitably. Uh, you know, have great seasons, but do not have a chance to play for the championship, just like UCF a few years ago uh, and last year. Uh, and obviously the Pac-12 the last few years, the Big Ten's had their, their years. Uh, the SEC tends to dominate. They've been a great conference. Who's arguing that? But what, whether they should dominate to the level they have, I don't know. Uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see uh, what the uh, what the attitude is when teams get left out. So we'll see. But uh, no, I appreciate the opportunity, Dan, to talk about these things with you today. No, absolutely, and, and Mike, I appreciate the fact that you know you feel that this is a, an avenue where you can have an open and honest conversation about it and get your word out there. And, and I always appreciate having you on the show. And I was going to ask you about Charlie, but you gave your thoughts, and I'm sure he would appreciate hearing those as well. As, as I respect him very much, so I respected him when I met him when he was with Louisville, and, and you know now when I got to see him again. So. As always, he's a wonderful guy, Dan. Yeah. You know, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but he, he's just a great, great human being. And also, he's had success as a coach. You know, he had great success at Louisville. Um, you know, Texas was a really tough situation. And, you know, even Texas right now, is, is you know, Tom struggled this year with that team. Uh, and, uh, you know, with USF, uh, for, for whatever reason, sometimes these things don't work out. But uh, we really enjoyed having him in the conference. I, I got to know him a little bit personally, and uh, he's just a terrific person. Great human being.
Absolutely. And and as always, Mike, I appreciate you taking the time that, that you have here on the show. And we'll continue the conversation. And, and uh, you know, hopefully uh, we'll have a great game. I believe Cincinnati-Memphis is going to be a tremendous one. And, and that'll be something that's got a lot of eyes on it. And if anything this year, I'm happy to say that there are some football fans around the country that have told me that these Memphis games, these Cincinnati games, Temple, UCF games have really started to catch their eye and they've started to pay attention. And so that's that's it's good to see that that these are teams that are finally getting in front of people because they want to know what it's all about and what this conference is all about. So thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you for the reasoning that you brought forward today and the research that you did to take care of it. It's It would be hard to find a commissioner in this country that doesn't care as much as you do or as deeply or puts in as many sleepless hours to protect their conference. So thank you for what you're doing for the American. Well, thanks, Dan. It should be a great championship game. You know, our, our championship games have been pretty good. They've been pretty intense. Yeah. And I suspect this one will be. Cincinnati's a really good team. As you know, they almost, uh, you know, upset Memphis last week. Uh, it should be a great crowd. It should be a great atmosphere. Fifth straight year we've been on ABC. I think it'll be a really uh, compelling and an interesting game. And I do think more people watch us. The ratings prove that. Uh, tough competition in that window with the SEC championship game, some other championship games, some basketball games um, involving some of our teams. But nevertheless, I think it'll it'll be uh, you know, there'll be good viewership. I think people appreciate how much fun our league is, the co- competition we play. This one will be an intense battle. You know, Memphis has you know, all the weapons in the world. You know, all that NFL talent on offense, and you look at, my goodness, as you just go down the list, whether it's uh, Patrick Taylor, Kenneth Gainwell, and uh, you know Damani Coxey, and then you look at uh, uh, you know Antonio Gibson, who had that breakout game against SMU on national TV, and then, and then you, you look at their other receivers, uh, and then you look at the tight end Joey Magnifico, who's been there a number of years. He's a really great player. Uh, they are just loaded, and they have a quarterback who knows how to run that offense. On the other hand, you know, Desmond Ritter may play for Cincinnati, and, and they have Michael Warren and a really strong team, and they also have a great defense, which uh, you know is sophisticated as well. So this just should be a terrific matchup. I'm looking forward to it. And again, thanks, Dan. Appreciate the time. Appreciate your knowledge of our league, and uh, let's hope we have a great game Saturday. Oh yeah, well, safe travels for you, and, and I'll be on my way to Memphis for the first time ever, and I look forward to it, and Look forward to what they're going to bring, and as always, thank you for your time. Well, you know, I may run into you there. You know, it gets really busy, you know, and I, I usually do the coin toss. Unless we have some kind of celebrity this year, we couldn't find one who I think would be neutral. <laughs> you know, I usually do the coin toss. I'm getting pretty good at it, though. I get the I get the coin up there pretty well now. I get get to flip it up, have, you know, flip it over. But in any event, you get busy. But I, if, I hope I do run into you, and again, enjoy the game. All right, we'll take care and safe travels again. Thank you, Dan. Take care.